Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. I want to thank all of you for joining us here on this beautiful Saturday morning on your favorite radio station. Just a reminder, you can listen to America's Land Auctioneer on our Spotify and Apple podcast. All you have to do is go to the Pfeiffer's.com website, click onto the radio banner, and you can listen to all of our previous 90-plus podcasts that we've had on everything to do with farmland throughout all across America. Today on our show will be Carter Ball. He's the vice president of Tidewater Lumber Corporation in Tappahannock, uh, Virginia. So we're going to be getting an inside information on what's going on in the timber and the lumber industry. So excited about having him on. I'll introduce him here in a little bit. But before we do that, just kind of an update now from the Pfeiffer's team. And again, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show every week. They do a great job. In fact, nobody does it better. But they recently had land auctions up in Pierce and Sheridan and McLean County, setting all kinds of record highs. Uh, There were some incredible land auctions just recently that they had in that part of the country. Some of that land sold for around $3,800 an acre for cropland, some pasture land selling for almost $2,000 an acre. And most recently, irrigated farmland near Alexandria, Minnesota. Some of that reaching in the mid $8,000 an acre, $8,500 an acre range. So again, the Pfeiffer team has been really busy on the road selling farmland throughout the region. Coming up now next week, a big week for the Pfeiffer's sales team. 480 acres in McLean and Sheridan counties. That sale is going to be up in Minot, North Dakota. Just an exceptional farm that's going to be sold up there for the Jacobson family. In fact, we're talking all kinds of good cropland, pastureland, hayland, and extraordinarily good hunting land. And that is going to be on the 16th up in McLean and Sheridan counties. And then also an incredible farm in uh, McLean County, 480 acres of crop, pasture, and hunting land near Garrison, North Dakota. And then a half a section, 320 acres of exceptional crop and hunting land near in Ramson County. Now, this one here is a really cool piece. Some of the uh, folks in the Pfeiffer's farmland management team have said it's probably one of the most spectacular pieces of hunting land we've sold in years. That is just south of Nome, North Dakota, just south of uh, Barnes County down into Ransom County. So a great opportunity to buy corn and soybean ground with exceptional wildlife habitat for waterfowl, upland game, and deer. And then the team is also going to be selling land that day in Barnes County, 310 acres, not quite a half a section of land. And that one over is going to be north of Ariska, and that's for the McAllister Estate, a really good cropland, really exceptional cropland just north of Ariska, not too far north of I-94, and the cropland, pasture land, hunting land again. That is one you're really going to have to take a really good look at. It's got some really good loam soils on it. And then the family, the Pfeiffer team will be uh, selling land for the Schulich family over in Dickey County, 313 acres, uh, exceptional land over there. And then uh, they're going to be kicking things off in December, not too far down the road, uh, with about 15 land auctions. First of all, they're going to highlight that one with the Dennis and Linda Butenhoff sale near Barnesville, a quarter of exceptional sugar beet lamb, capable of raising corn and soybeans, wheat, barley, sunflowers, all kinds of crop on that one. One of the best sales we'll have 
in that region over there in Clay County, Minnesota, just not too far from the Minnesota-North Dakota border. So again, the Pipers team is uh, providing a lot of opportunity, selling close to 60,000 acres of farmland throughout the region in 2022. And you have an opportunity with about 40 to 50 more land auctions on their docket. So if you want to get a hold of them, it's pretty easy to do. All you need to do is go to pipers.com, click onto their contact our team. You can get a hold of their farm land and equipment auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, or their farmland managers, or you can call them toll-free, 877-700-4099. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. Folks, again, uh, we've got Carter Ball on with us. Carter is the vice president of Tidewater Lumber Corporation. How are you doing today, Carter? Doing just fine, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for being on today. Appreciate you coming on board here. Uh, Carter's out of Tappahannock, uh, Virginia. Uh, his company provides quality lumber for customers worldwide. Uh, Carter, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, over the course of the last couple of years, uh, we've seen the timber and lumber industry uh, have some pretty wild swing in prices. Uh, uh, first of all, just give us a little bit of background on you personally, and then uh, we want to get in and talk a little bit about the the timber and lumber industry and some pricing, if that works for you. Sure. Uh, Kevin, we're a, uh, I'm a fourth generation uh, owner in the company here. Uh, we, we've been at this nearing 100 years now, so each generation has kind of passed their knowledge and a healthy company down the line, and so we're we're very passionate about manufacturing and, and also owning uh, quality timberlands in the Tidewater region. Well, it's awesome that you've got that type of experience and uh, the, the, the DNA in, in the industry, that's for sure. But, you know, when we were coming out of COVID, uh, we had some folks on from uh, the eastern part of the United States, uh, uh, a couple of them from Virginia there in the the uh, the eastern seaboard there talked a lot about lumber lumber prices man they were spiking so high cost of lumber and everything was uh, uh, just it seemed to have doubled or tripled in value where where are we sitting right now as far as and I know you deal you got ton, you got the timber portion of it and the lumber portion of it where are we settling in on prices now uh, we're well corrected at this point we're we're back at pre-pandemic levels for the most part. Some of the specialty items that we make um, are still at elevated levels. And I think that what we're gonna see long-term is a, a sustained higher low. So prices are gonna settle in at a little higher norm. Um, you know, when the pandemic came on, it, it's been a wild ride, obviously. we. Uh, a lot of mills didn't know what to expect, some curtailed production. Um, and then with everybody being home, there was a tremendous amount of construction, repair and remodel. Our mill, we specifically focus on small timbers and squares. So we are predominantly a six by six, four by six and four by four, all Southern yellow pine sawmill. Uh, we run a sawmill, dry kiln operation and planing mill here. So our main customers are uh, treating plants. So the majority of our products uh, we provide to treating plants, they treat it, and then it generally ends up on a box store shelf. So you know what happened, everybody doing projects and uh, it just drove prices wild and uh, we, uh, we wrote it out and it's, uh, yes, it's, it has uh, allowed us to do a lot of capital projects 
um, after we saw those sustained high prices for a while. But uh, yeah, it's really shaking the industry up for sure. But I think at this point we're you're, we're seeing a uh, return to pre-pandemic price level. So for the for cons- yeah for the consumer that's uh, that's probably pretty good. Well, and, and it's probably provided a little bit more sanity for for you and your staff too. I would imagine a little more predictability. But uh, for the consumer, that's probably good news, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think for the consumers from the consumer standpoint, Kevin, the composition of the southern pine lumber industry is has changed drastically in the last 10 years you know this used to be an industry that was comprised of mostly small family sawmills and currently we have seen a tremendous amount of investment in uh in the industry from private equity uh canadian companies that are having trouble with supply uh, are coming down and investing in the u.s south and a large part of that is because we have a plentiful supply of pine timberland. I mean, it, it's really a success story from a forestry and environmental standpoint. Um, but, you know, we've seen these really high elevated lumber prices, but not all landowners have necessarily seen that because there wasn't always a market for those products in close proximity to them. So I, I think one of the changes that we've seen in the last five to 10 years, and you will certainly see going forward, is there's been a lot of large uh, mills, new greenfield sawmills that are, that are popping up, especially in the U.S. South, where a majority of the world's lumber production has now shifted to. Um, those mills are locating down there. And I think that what it gives to, to, to landowners, too, is it gives a good market for the, for their timber. Folks, you're listening to Carter Ball with Tidewater Lumber Corporation, a fourth-generation uh, family uh, member in the company uh, with an extensive amount of experience in the lumber and timber industry. We're going to be talking to him a little bit in the next couple of segments about the timber management and forest management and that type of thing and kind of get his take on where we are going in this country with that type of management system throughout especially throughout the eastern part of the United States. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. Our show is sponsored every week, along with our podcasts on Apple and Spotify, by Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management. Many of you have met the team at Pfeiffer's over the course of the last 23 years. You know as well as I do that nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's, whether they are managing your farmland your ranch land or cropland, whatever it might be, or whether they're selling your farm or equipment. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. Now, if you want to reach them, you can go to their website at Pfeiffer's.com and contact any one of their team members. You can also click onto our radio banner and listen to any of our previous podcasts having to do with estate planning, minerals and oils, uh, royalties, and those types of things. Whatever it is you want to listen to, just go to our library of podcasts, and you can listen to all types of our previous shows on a a variety of different issues. If you want to get a hold of the Pipers team, you can also email them at info at pipers.com or call them toll-free, 877-700-4099. Folks, we got three segments left. You're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. $50,000 bid, $50,000 wares, $1750 here now, too. 
Sold your way for seventeen hundred and fifty. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Want to thank all of you for being with us again. My guest today, Carter Ball from Tappahannock, Virginia. He's the vice president of Tidewater Lumber Corporation. We're talking about the lumber and the timber industry. A little bit of a difference there, but they're all they're all integrated, obviously. And uh, Tidewater, a very integrated company, obviously. Uh, going out into the forest and actually cutting the raw timber and then also doing the processing. Uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about pricing and that type of thing. Um, I just had one final question on the pricing, Carter. You said that we're back to pre-pandemic pricing now. Uh, it seems like things are a little bit more manageable when it comes to price and predictability and that type of thing. Uh, where, do you, where do you feel now we are in this country moving forward? As far as let's talk about the price for a minute here. Obviously, with high inflation now and with the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, you know, the prime lending rates at 7%, we're going to see 7.5% by the middle of, likely by the middle of December. The 10-year T-bill now is well up over 4%, so it's going to really slow down housing and development and that type of thing. But, you know, moving forward, you know, as we close out 2022, hard to believe we're about at the end of 22. But we get into 23. What do you, what are you feeling? What's kind of your gut feel with your years and years of experience as to where we might be in lumber prices in 23? So I, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna. They're gonna certainly calm down and normalize. Where I think that we will see closer in the a uh, 400 to 600 dollar a thousand uh, average lumber price, which is a little bit higher. Uh, but certainly lower than uh, what we have seen in the past couple of years as we've been through these wild spikes of the pandemic. Um, yeah, so we, we have a close eye on uh, how monetary policy is seeking to tame this inflation. Uh, I mean, obviously, interest rates, the 30-year fixed mortgage creeping over 7%. We're going to see housing really start to slow down very rapidly. Um, we, we have an eye on that. Uh, we also feel optimistic, however, in the longer term, that there is still a, a tremendous amount of, of somewhat pent-up demand as we have the millennial generation that's coming into their first time of uh, purchasing a home. Uh, there, there's still a lot of demand that that we think is going to sustain the market at a reasonable level for the producer uh, for years to come. Now, having said that, yes, next year we're cautious and uh, we, we're waiting to see how some things unfold, but uh, that's where we are. You know, it's interesting. Uh, and again, just a reminder to our folks, and I know a lot of our listeners uh, listen every week. And we, Kevin, talk. I lost you there for a minute. Yeah, that's okay. Appreciate it. Yeah, we got you back on. Uh, we uh, we had some lumber folks on earlier this year, and I, just a reminder to our listeners uh, when Carter was talking about the pricing. Uh, think back now in February, March. You know, we were at uh, we were at fourteen hundred dollars per thousand board feet. $1,400 per board feet. So when you think about that, uh, we were, you know, three times higher basically than where we are now. And then Carter's uh, t- 
talking about that we are in that $500 range, thinking that we're going to probably pretty much just stick around in that range a little bit. Uh, so again, uh, one of those issues there where, you know, we're talking about pricing and that type of thing, all the way up to $1,400. Uh, again, almost that $1,500 per thousand board feet, um, not even a year ago. And now things kind of settling down. We're back into, like Carter says, kind of some normal pricing, which is which probably good for everybody, uh, including uh, producers, um, the lumber suppliers and everybody, and get back to some more predictability for everybody. But as the as things uh, as the economy, you know, again, as we go from this what stagflation, inflation to stagflation, and and most likely heading into a recession of sorts. But uh, Carter, I wanna I wanna get 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 your take also now. I wanna talk about you know you guys are unique unique company because you not only process the lumber and supply it to end users, but you also uh, are into uh, the ownership of of timberland and. And you also lease some timberland acres, but uh, that's that's a pretty extensive and and pretty visionary type business you have to be in. But overall, the health of the forest industry up and down the eastern part of the United States, how would you rate that? And and what's your feeling based on your experience where the United States is when it comes to the supply of timber throughout the eastern part of the United States? Sure, Kevin. Well, like I said earlier, you know that the, the Southern pine forestry practices have really been a success. I mean, we're, we are, um, we're doing good things for the environment. That's one of the things that we feel that we've done very well in Virginia and both sides of the aisle recognize that uh, forestry plays a huge part in our state's economy. Uh, We're the third largest industry in the state of Virginia. First, if you lump forestry and forest products in with ag, but um, you know, we we are still growing more uh, than we are consuming. So what what we refer to as the allowable cut, you know, how many tons per acre we're growing in the state versus how many tons we're removing. Um, now, with these new mills and across the South, that's certainly been the case. That, that well. Back in the 80s, whether it was due to good forestry practices, the CRP program, but a lot of pine timberlands and high quality pine timberlands were grown. And, uh, you know, you're seeing the fruits of that now. And I think that's one of the attractants that's brought these uh, large investments all across the U.S. South with these mega sized mills that are going to be locating and starting up in the next couple of years or some that have already started up and been very successful. Uh, but no, the forestry practices in the South have been, uh, have been very good. Um, you know, we're the gold standard when it comes to clean air, clean water practices here in Virginia, the Chesapeake Bay is, is an asset of, of, uh, high ecological value. It supports, a unique industry in the uh, in several fisheries uh, we we ship our oysters all over the world um, we're very proud of the Chesapeake Bay and one of the things that our industry is proud of is that you know, we we play a large role in keeping the bay clean there's no greater land use for keeping a healthy Chesapeake Bay uh, than the filter of high quality timberlands and um, 
across the state from the state legislature, even down to uh, our local county levels. I mean, we, I, I feel in my experiences, I've served in, in some county functions as a planning commissioner for a couple of terms. And uh, it's, we still have some education to do for the public, but for the most part, it's understood that uh, we're doing good things in the forestry sector. Folks, you're listening to Carter Ball with the Tidewater Group out of Tappahannock, Virginia. And again, the Tidewater Lumber Corporation, they're into uh, processing lumber. Obviously, they're also into forest management. So appreciate the opportunity to visit with Carter today. And he's agreed to stick around for the final two segments of our show before we go to our second break here today. I want to again thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our radio show every Saturday morning and also our podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. We've talked a lot about their farm land auctions and listings that they have coming up with farms for sale. They also have some extensive farm equipment retirement auctions coming up and some construction equipment auctions. And their big auction coming up at Pfeiffer's Auction Center of North America, right outside of Bismarck, North Dakota, in Steele, North Dakota. So that sale is coming up next week. You're going to certainly want to attend that. Hundreds and hundreds of pieces of equipment, farm equipment, trucks, semis, forklifts, uh, payloaders, uh, combines and tractors and anything you might need for farming or construction. Uh, they're going to have it in that auction. And that's at Pfeiffer's Auction Center of North America in Steele, North Dakota, coming up next week. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. In it here now, I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna be on here now. Who bid five hundred thousand dollar bid? I'm in five hundred. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Joining me today, Carter Ball with Tidewater Lumber Corporation. Certainly glad he could be with us today. Uh, they do an extensive amount of lumber processing and forestry management in this eastern part of the United States, mostly in Virginia. We've been talking about a lot of different things having to do with lumber, talking about lumber prices, where we were a year ago, where we were pre-pandemic and during the pandemic and where we are now. Thankfully, prices have settled down a little bit, puts a little bit more predictability into everything, especially for those of you who are looking at building a home or having a big project that involves lumber and other building products or whatever it might be. But uh, we certainly have all been there. We've gone down to the stores, whether it's Home Depot or your local station, your late local lumber yard or Lowe's or whatever it is, and we've seen the price uh, gyrations and swings lately, but certainly have noticed, I too have noticed that uh, things have settled down quite a bit uh, in the lumber industry, and Carter has uh, also uh, confirmed that. And again, he's got some insight into the business because uh, they do an extensive amount of lumber processing in the eastern part of the United States. Uh, Carter, a lot of our listeners today own farmland or farm themselves, run cattle or ranch or whatever it might be throughout North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Minnesota, and into Canada. Uh, so a lot of them are very interested in, in the forestry part and forestry management. But, you know, that's a lot different than managing corn and soybean land or, or managing ranch land out here, grazing land, whatever it might be. 
Uh, but again, uh, pretty intensive, isn't it? And 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 really, you have to have a long-term plan. You got to be patient, I would imagine. But what are what are some of the challenges as a forestry management person that you that you see you're in and you're out in your business trying to trying to replenish the the timber, the forest, and you know try and get that sustainable growth going so that you have a future in your business. Sure, Kevin. Well, as I said, we've been really successful in forestry practices overall throughout the South. Uh, having said that, there are quite a few new challenges that that are starting to present themselves. Um, and we're, we have that on the top of our minds. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing here in Virginia are, are a lot of new competing land uses. So one that uh, we've seen maybe even a couple hundred thousand acres uh, over the next couple of years starting to use is our solar farms. Uh, and I'm not sure out in your areas whether that is uh, as prevalent, but uh, we're seeing quite a few solar farms and, and that, that takes a lot of productive acreage away from high value timberlands. Um, you know, through the pandemic, we've seen a lot of development. And so, you know, the fragmentation of large acreage parcels, that's one of the things on our mind. And so everything that, that uh, we think about, um, we're, we're always very interested in, in preserving the rural nature uh, of the landscape around here, but, uh, but making sure that, that, that we have a good timber basket that we can rely on into the future. Um, it's important to the to the health of the environment, but also to the health of the industry. Um, so those are some um, those are some things that affect us. One of the things we have in Virginia uh, that uh, that is beneficial to ensuring rural land ownership is we have use value taxation and uh, it's commonly known as land use taxation but uh, in Virginia counties can elect whether they employ this uh, type of, of tax and what it basically is is uh, a type of uh, a, a, a use uh, for a piece of land is taxed based on what it's being used for rather than its market value and and when that where that's very beneficial is, you know, like you said, this is a long term. We're we're not in a year rotation. We're in a thirty year rotation. Um, most of the forestry done out here, we're looking at a fifteen year thinning, and then a thirty year clear cut uh, as, as kind of a rule of thumb. So there's a lot of years where you've invested in planning and growing a forest that there is no cash flow. And so one of the ways that we can mitigate the possibility of losing that by a landowner finding a higher, better use and selling it or it being uh, fragmented into smaller parcels is uh, we, a lot of counties use use value taxation. And so it lowers, it, it sets the value of that parcel land based on its use rather than its market. Uh, value and so that gives um, it gives some incentive 
to landowners to uh, to continue to own the piece of land. It's interesting you brought up the thinning process, you know, after 15 years and then the clear cut after 30. So in your lifetime uh, on, on, on a certain acreage, uh, seat, a certain piece of ground uh, that you have planted, uh, and again, uh, you know, you might only on that particular piece of ground, you may have an opportunity just to do, in your lifetime to do one in your, in your career, uh, do one clear cut and, 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 or one thinning and then one clear cut. Is that right? That's right. That's right, Kevin. Yes. It, um, you know, and one of the things that we, that we are doing is we're trying to, uh, we're trying to be progressive with our forestry practices, uh, the, the cookie cutter way of doing it used to be a thinning at 20 years, a clear cut at 40. We're really trying to shorten the rotations. Uh, and, and that's by doing things such as uh, site prep sprays. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're planting higher genetic trees. We're planting mass control pollinated pine trees. We're planting varietals, which are essentially clones. Um, so we're, we're investing more upfront in, in planting a good tree that's going to produce more fiber quicker in time because our, I guess at the end of the day, uh, the net present value of, of those acres is what we're managing our forest lands off of. I mean, the, obviously we're getting the benefits of, of wildlife rep, recreation, um, clean air, clean water. But at the end of the day, it, it is a business and it needs to be profitable to the landowner. And so those are some of the practices that that we're deploying in, in trying to shorten rotations, um, kind of maximize net present value off of, uh, off of acres. And um, being vertically integrated with the sawmill, uh, you know, we, we're really trying to optimize how much fiber we're producing off of an acre growing it but then once it gets to the mill again we're we're really optimizing how much fiber we get out of every one of those logs compared to 20 30 years ago and i think that's one of the real success stories of our industry is is the utilization of the timber resources we have available to us is is it's it's really interesting and uh it's um it's been a success across the industry. I think our industry has done a good job of that. It is now, and again, I'm, I would imagine you're, you're mostly talking about on private land, either land that you and your company own or leased land from private landowners. Is there any opportunity to uh, go in and do any thinning or clear cutting on any of the uh, land that's either owned by the state or the federal government? So here in Virginia, uh, very, very little land that we stumpage that we buy in a year uh, is is from the state or federal government. An overwhelming majority is privately owned land in our region here in the Tidewater region of, of Virginia. Um, so probably a little different from out west, but uh, that's our composition out here. It's mostly private. What are two or three of the major challenges uh, that you face uh, in the in the management of the forest of the timber? Um, a couple of the challenges uh, that we face, like I said, 
competing land uses. There's a lot of land uses that are taking from, from solar development. Uh, we even, you know, we love our farmers, but we do lose some acreage to the, to farm to ag. Um, we're, uh, we lose acreage to development. Um, but, uh, those are some of the bigger challenges. Some, some of the other challenges are market related. And, you know, the, the key to the whole forest management puzzle is you have to have healthy markets to sustain the forest landowner. If you want a healthy forest, you've got to have healthy markets. And uh, that's one of the things that I think we've seen across the, the South as a whole is we had really healthy forests, but if there was no market uh, to sustain the forest landowner, that landowner's going to find other uses uh, for their land. Uh, so here in Virginia, especially locally in our region, we have a competitive wood basket. We compete with uh, a few other larger mills in the area, which it sounds like a bad thing, but really it's a good thing because it incentivizes people to sell their timber. We have competitive timber sales. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm talking on stumpage that we're buying from other private landowners. A lot of that's done through through consulting foresters, uh, seal bid auctions. So, you know, people are selling, people are active in selling their timber. Uh, folks, uh, folks is, uh, Carter, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to catch that in the last segment. Folks, you're listening to Carter Ball with Tidewater Lumber Corporation in Virginia, uh, bringing some incredible insight into the lumber and timber industry. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. We've got one segment to go with Carter Ball. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, uh, America's Land Auctioneer. We'll be right back after this break. Been the money getting in on 35, and I have sold it to you right there. Good bird, just great. Bye. On here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid thirty. Alvin twenty five bid on thirty and about thirty thousand dollars here now. They're going to get now thirty thousand dollar bid on now five. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Want to again thank all of you for joining us here today. Our final segment. Carter Balls with us, Vice President at Tidewater Lumber Corporation in Virginia. Uh, family-owned uh, business out there. For He's a fourth-generation uh, lumber and timber expert, so glad he could join us today. Uh, and again, on our show, we talk about everything having to do with agriculture. And again, if you want to listen to all of our previous podcasts, all 90-plus of them, uh, you can go to the Pifers.com website, click on to the Pifers radio banner. You can listen to all of our previous podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Uh, listen to all of the great guests we've had over the years, including uh, Carter Ball, who's with us today. Carter, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, I'm glad you stuck around here for the final segment of the day. But, you know, we were talking a little bit about some of the challenges in the in your world, uh, whether it's uh, the processing of lumber and also selling it on the on the market, but also forestry management and other things. And you were also, just before I cut you off there, talking about, again, some of the big challenges that you face in your profession. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, well, once we grow a successful uh, stand of timber and, and we go to harvest it, you know, one of one of the things that that uh, r- regulates how willing landowners are to sell their timber are, are taxes. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's important that that uh, capital gains rates stay low. Um, you know, land in our area where there is a large amount of private land ownership, a private landowner doesn't have to sell their timber. So you know, we 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 need tax policies that incentivize it and and make it profitable for landowners to grow, hold on to timber uh, and sell it and, and not be taxed so heavily that uh, they're not willing to do it again for the next generation. And um, so that's something on our mind. I, I touched on earlier the, the local uh, effect of use value taxation and how that's we've seen that be successful in rural counties and keeping and maintaining the rural nature of them. Um, so yeah, that, that's one of the challenges. One of the, one of the other major issues that is related to having, uh, getting our products to market um, is our labor force, both of loggers and, and truckers. Um, it's not just a local thing, I, I think nationwide, We've got an aging class of log of professional loggers, and also an aging class of truckers. I've always said that the the, the uh, supply of of truckers is a killer of all the economy. Uh, we've seen trucking rates just exponentially increase over the last couple of years, and so you know we've got to be mindful of bringing a new generation in. Um, to fill their shoes, but both in the trucking and the logging uh, side, or else we can't get our products to market. That's interesting. You bring that up because I know the American Trucking Association, uh, they uh, had reported that in last year, there were 80,000, uh, a shortage of 80,000 drivers. So again, not just in your industry, but, but uh, industry, you know, throughout the entire economy, uh, they're figuring that also for 2023, there's going to be a shortage of truckers. Uh, the I know the American Trucking Association, they they their their industry is trying to recruit a million new drivers over the next decade. So cer- certainly a big challenge that you have, isn't it, Carter? It absolutely is. Yes. Yeah. A couple of years ago, interestingly, we saw lumber prices spiking, and, and a lot of conversations I had with with our customers as well the wood that we need is out there it's produced and we simply just can't get from point a to point b it's really it's really not a uh, true supply demand imbalance it's simply a we can't get our product from point a to point b and it and it uh drove prices yeah it's interesting when you think about it over 68 percent of all freight in america has moved on u.s highways so when you think about it and and the the biggest issue is influence in the driver shortage is demographic, like you had talked about, Carter, uh, in the current workforce, primarily age and gender. The trucking industry relies heavily on on male employees, you know, basically forty five and over. Uh, but again, uh, women make up about forty five percent of the nation's workforce, but only about six percent of commercial truck drivers. So again. Uh, you know, it's something the industry is dealing with, and obviously it affects your industry. It affects all of American agriculture. Uh, Carter, we only have a few minutes left here. I just want to kind of turn it over to you, uh, you know, kind of what you see on the horizon now for 23 in your business, uh, where the lumber and timber industry is heading uh, into 2023. 
Sure. Well, uh, again, the the kind of the elephant in the room in our industry is the fact that there have been just some major uh, scale mills that are popping up in the U.S. South. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see supply quickly coming into equilibrium with with the longer term demand that uh, we have had trouble with when there have been spikes in demand, especially as we saw brought on by the pandemic. Uh, our, there hasn't been enough production capacity in our industry to to meet the demand. So I think you're going to quickly see that come into equilibrium over the next few years with these large mills. There's much, there's many fewer mills in the United States, softwood mills especially. However, the nature of the few uh, that are here are very high tech, very automated, very optimized. Um, the technology that's in our mills these days is, is unreal. Um, but that's what you have to be do to be a low cost producer. But uh, I think for the consumer, what that's going to do is put an ample amount of supply on the market to kind of normalize prices, and we likely won't see the type of spikes that we have in the last couple of years. So these new mills coming on, I'm just curious, are they are they current competitors just getting bigger, uh, going to be mega mills now, or are they new players in the market? Uh, it's a mixture that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of Canadian companies have come to the U.S. South. Um, their, uh, their wood, as you know, is, is tariffed, uh, coming into any wood that Canada, um, is importing into the United States, um, is, is taxed. And so one of the ways to avoid that tax is we'll put a mill in, in the States. And so, uh, They've done that, and uh, also they're they're dealing with some supply issues in Canada, and uh, the U.S. South has a plentiful, and I, I really think this is the the biggest one is the fact that there's a plentiful supply of timber in the South. So, um, you're also seeing a lot of private equity money coming into the sawmill industry, uh, and then a lot of Western companies have have. Uh, found it more difficult to operate on the West Coast and are locating large mills in the U.S. South. Folks, you're listening to Carter Ball with Tidewater Lumber Corporation. Uh, we're running out of time. Carter, thank you for being with us today. I certainly appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Folks, Enjoy Carter it. Ball, with uh, he's Timberland Management and Lumber Supplier out of the Virginia part of the United States and the state of Virginia with the Tidewater Lumber Corporation. Certainly glad he could join us today. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. Before we sign off today, again, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management. If you want to get a hold of Pfeiffer's Farm Equipment and Land Auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, and their farmland managers, just go to Pfeiffer's.com. You can click on to their contact our team page if you would like. They'll give you a free consultation on selling your equipment and your land or managing your farmland. Nobody does it better than the team at Pipers. I work with them every day, and I tell you what, they impress me every single day with the work that they do. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. Until next week, I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll look forward to being with you next Saturday. 
Now, one, 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 one